Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to this special Rewind episode of the Endless Silks podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony, one of the show's uh, contributors I'll be hosting tonight. Delighted to be joined by one of the show regulars, uh, the league leader in the Super Six, Mr Francis Carey. How are you, sir? All good, all good, Anthony. It was not just me that was extending the league at the weekend. It's, it was, it was an, me and Celtic. Two weeks in a row we've been able to use that pattern now, isn't it? As long as they keep dropping points, I'm happy to see it every week. Correct. And uh, joining us also from our friends at the Boise Bus, it's uh, the one and only Mr Bustalja himself, Mr Phil McGinley. How are you, my friend? I'm smashing in for me. Cheers for having me on again. Always happy to come on and talk about Celtic, especially in some sort of retro capacity. It seems to be my thing. So, yeah, I'm more than happy to be on, mate. (laughs) even Monty's noticing you're on several channels at the minute mate it's it's your sort of niche on the Boise bus so it's always good to have your expertise on and uh, as we go through the the Rewind series obviously we normally on a Monday night we'd discuss the events uh, the previous weekend but it's some that the boys covered a lot on uh, the Endless Sales first post-match reaction show which we did on Saturday it's had uh, a great Great sort of reaction to it and uh, and views as well. So we thought, rather than go over old ground, why not get some more of these uh, Rewind episodes out of the way? Because we've got a few more to get through before the end of the season. Uh, this is uh, the series uh, Champions League Rewind, where we go back. Since we were back in the tournament this year, we thought, why not go back down memory lane and to all the years gone by when we've previously competed in the tournament. So we're up to season 2004-2005. Uh, for many... Um, when we first think about it, it's you always think that it was the first time we finished fourth, and uh, you'd think it would be a pretty, a pretty poor tournament with not much to uh, to look back on. But as um, as me and Phil were discussing off here, when you look back over the events of the six games, that is absolutely uh, not the case. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting stuck in. And uh, evening to everyone in the chat. Um, Stephen's going to be backstage. He's get, kind of keeping on top of all the comments, etc. So he'll bring them up and get involved in the discussion as well. And uh, just before we get started, um, it's just, again, a thanks to our sponsors, Beer52. Um, again, I think the code is still live. If you want to get a, a box of beer, just go onto the website and uh, use our code CELTS and you can uh, get yourself a box of goodies. And uh, it wouldn't be a Monday night show without us uh, letting you guys know about the extension of Franny's lead in the Super Six. <laughs> uh, so in fifth place at the minute, it's Ryan Taylor on 175, Jamie Latimer's fourth on 176, uh, Kevin Hampson 180 in third place, and James Bowie on 181 in second. But a whopping 20 points in front is uh, the man sporting the away kit for the season that we're just about to talk about, <laughs> uh, Mr Francis Carty himself. So well done, mate. Uh, you're doing really well at the moment, has to be said. I'm languishing. I'm, I'm at Southampton this season. I'm, I don't, I'm way off. I just stopped looking a bit two months ago. <laughs> uh, so after all that, let's get stuck into the, the, the subject at hand. Season 0405, the Champions League. Uh Phil, I'm going to come to you first. We'll, we'll sort of set the scene, as it were. Um, get into the, the campaign. There was no qualifiers that year due to us winning the, the title the year before in pretty spectacular, uh, relentless fashion. And we also added the Scottish Cup as well, first league in Scottish Cup double since the centenary season. And, um, of course, Martin O'Neill was still in the dugout, uh, which was great, as were many of the Seville squad. But, of course, there was one huge uh, hole in the, up, up front, and that was the departure of Henrik to 
what we've learned that was going to be one of our opponents in the group, Barcelona. Mm. Um, we obviously brought in the likes of Janinho and uh, Henri Camara, and later on in the season, we then tried to replace the two of them uh, with Craig <laughs> Bellamy, where you could argue it's um, better success. But um, despite the fact that Henrik had left, morale was still pretty, still pretty high. This was our, you know, we had previous seasons in the Champions League uh, under Martin. We'd obviously been to the UEFA Cup final um, two years before. And then we had a very good start, as we spoke about the last time you were on on the, on the Rewind show, when we played, got to the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup after beating Barcelona mm-hmm. in the last uh, 16. So we were. it was still very much a time of we feared nobody. We, we definitely had our swagger back in, in with regards to Europe. Ah, it was because uh, yeah, it's very, very hard to replace somebody like Henrik Larsson, although he did give us very kindly a year's notice, essentially. And, you know, you'd think the Celtic board would... We do a good good with twelve months, you know, to deal with that and find a suitable replacement, but obviously that didn't quite materialise. But I think I think the mood was quite high because before we played any European games that season, we had our first big test against Rangers, which we won. Remember that was the Al Thompson goal from a outside yeah. the box, pings it in off the crossbar. So yeah, even that, that was Jorinho's debut. Who that was like he peaked in his very first game, and it seems to start <laughs> going downhill right after. But it did put you like, okay, well we've had a got to the quarterfinals of UEFA Cup the last season. I know Larson's left, but Juniors came in. We beat Rangers in the first meeting of the season. He's looked pretty good. Yeah, we, we've still got a good home record at this point. God, what mm-hmm. we would give to have that now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, going into the, the, the draw, even though I had Barcelona racing, I still thought, no, we can, we can rattle a few cages here, definitely. I, I remember at the time being pretty confident as well. That, that, that's it, uh, Franny. I mean, if we were to get a, a group like that now, or even even not perhaps quite as strong as that, we still kind of would have the head and hands type moment. Um, but we have to say, um, perhaps if there's a few of the younger viewers in, at that time, AC Milan were the absolute top dogs. Um, they are perhaps, you know, they're Man City of today with added European Cups. You know, they, they really were a formidable force. And uh, if John, uh, one of our show regulars, was on, and hi to John, um, He's a massive fan of AC Milan, especially uh, Shevchenko, Kakao, that you know, all the guys from from that era. Um, but having said all that, despite how high morale was at the time, Franny, were you confident of getting any results against AC Milan, Barcelona, and the oil rich Shakhtar Donetsk? I think, like Phil said back then, it was almost it was almost a given three points at home. You mm. almost banked on them. And it was always he's looked at going, when can I get a point away? Because mm-hmm. 10 points pretty much guaranteed you to go through. It was didn't really matter how it worked out. Just, so you're always looking at the away games to try and pick something up. But I think back then, Martin O'Neill just and his team, I, there was guy, I know Larson had left, but leading up to it, obviously had guys like Larson, Thompson, Hartson, Sutton, Petrov. But you'd round them off, it was guys that you could hang your heart on, like Volharan, that you just, top internationalists playing it playing at uh, a lot of international football and stuff so it was it was guys that you thought you can get anybody a game on their day and especially at Parkhead and uh, with that crowd and stuff under the lights and you had obviously the emerging talent like McGeady and things like that just kind of come to the fore it was mm. uh, it was it was always got to, under Martin O'Neill I think you had the confidence going into any European type at Parkhead I mean they had, any game but especially at home at Parkhead even against like you say AC Milan back then who Kaka was just kind of coming onto the scene then, but they still had Shevchenko, Papo and Zaghi, who I think got caught offside the same amount of times he scored, man, it was unreal, but he would hate VAR, he would never have coped under VAR, <laughs> never, man, never. Yeah. Born offside. 
Oh, I was born offside, but what a finisher I was, man. Right. And like you say, Pirlo, mm. Seedorf, man. I mean, Clarence Seedorf probably doesn't get the credit yeah. deserves. Guys, and like you say, Nesta, Maldini and all that at the back. Right off. Dida, who was probably the most overrated keeper gone, but mm. and him as well, who was the Brazilian number one. That, was, that AC Man team was ridiculous back then. Absolutely. Yeah, but obviously yeah. when you think back, obviously they got to the final that season. Um, um, yeah. Just about to discuss, and had it not been for... <laughs> And you know, something pretty unprecedented, then they, they would have won it, um, and obviously did again two years later, and yeah. um, before they sort of you know, sort of fell from grace a little bit. But, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was the draw, guys. Group F, we were drawn in as the pot three side, uh, that season, as uh, not only as uh, domestic champions, but obviously our previous uh, exploits for the, the seasons gone by put us in the pot three. Um, so we were, like we say, very much fancying our chances, um, against uh. The very unknown team of Shakhtar Donetsk, although it became <laughs> pretty quickly we realised that uh, these guys were not uh, buying. We, we, you know, they weren't owned by uh, any kind of poppers. They were oil rich no. and they were uh, uh, ready to spend. There was no sort of you know work permit regulations uh, or that. They, they were able to sign some top quality players, and mm. um, yeah. But uh, at the time, we were uh, blissfully unaware of uh, what was yep. to come. <laughs> but um, we'll take it to the the opening night. As I say, we're drawn AC Milan and, and Barcelona. The, the first game was at home uh, against the Catalan Giants. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, they were a great side. We had actually just in the same calendar year had knocked them out of the, the old UEFA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ronaldinho, Saviola, etc. were still kings of the new camp back then. But that summer, they had been on a, a, a rather big spending spree had brought in the likes of uh, Deco, mm-hmm. Samuel Eto'o and, of course, the King of Kings himself. <laughs> Uh, amongst yep. others, uh, they were planning to have a real assault on Europe. And uh, whilst they came up short this season, they obviously went and won the tournament uh, in Paris the year later. So this was the beginning of a, a very strong Barcelona side that you could argue, um, you know, ruled the, the kind of late noughties and into the, 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 the 2000s as well. And um, But as we have previously mentioned, morale was high. We more than fancied ourselves against the, this team. But um, we went down to an early goal uh, through Deco, our Deco. old foe from Seville uh, yeah. and Porto. He opened the scoring. and um, But after that, it was pretty much relatively even Stephen in the first half. David Marshall and goals for mm-hmm. Celtic at that time made a couple of decent saves. And uh, the old stalwarts kept things uh, ticking over and creating chances for Celtic at the other end. But we went in at half time, a goal behind. And... Feeling the stadium atmosphere, for what I remember, was a bit flat at that point. Mm. And then it, it sort of went even more quieter when we conceded a penalty early in the second half. But as he was quite prone to doing at that point, uh, David Marshall was mm-hmm. performing heroics against the uh, Barcelona again. He made a great save from Ronaldinho. And moments later, Celtic equalised, uh, Phil. And yeah. it pretty much felt at that point that it was going to be business as usual and that we were uh, at that point in the game it was only going to be one winner I started to believe that point I missed mm-hmm. penalty and then getting an equaliser but it's some goal from Chris Sutton it's a great mm-hmm. ball across and it's that slight tackle finish that we spoke oh, about it, many yeah. times And but strangely he doesn't just basically slight tackle in the direction you know, into the net he puts it the other way up into the top uh, corner the opposite way that it came from 
it's a it's, it's an incredible incredible finish and yeah the the noise around the stadium yeah the, the people did believe so you, you just feel like something's in the air at that point and yeah we've only beat them just a few months before but strangely you know in that short time they've gone from being they've got even stronger while it feels like we've got weaker and one of the players that they've got and to get stronger is obviously our star man that's made us weaker so that's quite a incredible they've done that and they also brought remember Ludovic uh, Julie the oh, he got to the Champions League final with Monaco that year as well in 2004. So he was a bit of a superstar that they brought in. But yeah, at that point, though, we again, we just didn't fear anybody. And that finish by Sutton is underrated, I think. Like, I don't think it gets enough credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's phenomenal way he slides in, puts it in the opposite corner. But yeah, the the, the noise and the, the buzz around the place, you're like, okay, we've got them rattled now. But of course... It didn't quite go that way, sadly. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I remember after the goal went in, as I say, everyone just thought, you know, that, that, that it was the, the usual bedlam uh, at Parkhead uh, on a European night. But for a, a good five, ten minutes after that, we absolutely battered them. And there's two, whenever, whenever I think of Victor Valdez, the, the Barcelona keeper, there's two saves that I vividly remember. And they're both up that side of the park. One of them comes for this game. The other one comes... Not the season that we beat them uh, under Lenny in 2012, but it was the following year. But it was um, a different type of save, but it was equally as miraculous. But in this game, uh, it was I can't remember exactly how the, the passage of play happened, but essentially Petrov at the edge of the box flicked the ball over a Barcelona defender with his right foot and caught it absolute point blank with his left. Mm. Heading for the top corner, he couldn't have done any better and somehow Valdez got there and tipped it over the bar. And I just, whenever I think back, I went, God, if that had went in, maybe it would have been a different story that night because the roof would have came off. We were just so on top of them at that point. But then uh, they they responded by taking off Ronaldinho and uh, bringing on uh, a superior replacement in Henrik Larsson, Francis. And um, (laughs) yeah, of course, after that, we we did look at the aforementioned Julie, as you say, Phil, I scored a kind of deflected effort yeah. that just sneaked under Marshall to make it 2-1 and that kind of really deflated us and then um, you'll remember this one well Francis and just a, a poor back header from Alan Thompson and there's only if you're going to do a short back pass to the goalkeeper then it's pretty obvious that the King of Kings is going to do what he's paid to do um, he got on the score sheet at Celtic Park but sadly on this occasion it wasn't in the colours of Celtic Ah, uh, it was it was weird when it just seen him scoring against us. Absolutely weird. And like you say, it was a poor poor header back for Thompson. Larson just straight on it. He actually had quite a good was it, wasn't a camel because I think he was only for a good thirty odd minutes, but he actually played well off, off memory when he came on. And I had a couple mm-hmm. of chances where he set up things and that. And a wee bit of me like I think he was trying to play a wee bit deeper. I don't really think he was totally mm-hmm. one involved in mm-hmm. being further up the park. And then obviously his natural instinct when he gets that chance, he just takes it on the chest to go around Marshall and just slots into an empty net. And there's not many, like, obviously there wasn't applause, but I think there, there was a few claps around the stadium. I think it was one of the ones, like, oh. that's it. They realised who it was. They know it's... It didn't... I'm, I'm all for players... Stephen like, would have been apoplectic. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'd have been raging. Like, it wasn't... The stadium wasn't going mental, but I can remember folk were, there was some quiet claps in that and... Larson's the type of player where, like, I just, they just need to go to, like, last night. Dan James never kicked a ball for Man United and refused to celebrate when he scored an equaliser against him. Larson's a different, like, I can't stick that mm. with players. Larson's a different calibre. Yeah. He was seven of his best years in that. He was a great, great, like, and 
our lifetime best player that I've ever seen at Celtic. Mm-hmm. So you can understand that level of player not celebrating when he scores against the next club, but uh, it was it was a weird, weird feeling just seeing Larson score against us. Mm. It, it was like you say, as soon as the draw came out, it was written in the stars that it was something like that was going to happen, wasn't it? Uh, I, I think he's on record now as well, Phil, as saying that it was one of the worst nights his football career. He just didn't want to be there. He didn't enjoy it at, at all. He did, he, I remember watching him. He, he, he got at that when the, the teams were getting read out at the time. I think it was still Tony Hamilton that was reading the teams mm-hmm. out back then. And he, his name got mentioned. And obviously, pre the game, it was just, it was, you know, unanimous applause. And yeah. he, he sort of, I can remember the camera sort of panning in on him and he. He didn't really react at all. He just looked like he wanted to be anywhere but Celtic Park that night. Aye, it's like, um, what's the one in England? Remember when Van Persie went to Man United and there was the oh, game aye. at the end of the season where they were playing at the Emirates and Arsenal mm-hmm. had to give them the guard of honour? Van Persie <laughs> had that look on his face that night. It reminds me of that when he just looked mm-hmm. like be anywhere else. You right end now. up top goal but scorer he, that season as well. He, did, he basically <laughs> dragged Man U to that title. But I going back oh. to Arsenal the game after they officially became champions, mm. and you look on his face as one of them. I don't want to be here. This you'll know, just get me out of this scenario right now. So it reminds me of that one. But there was inevitable one tip that he was going to score. It really was. It was just written in the stars. And see, Alan Thompson must have just forgot for a second that he didn't play for us anymore. <laughs> and and head it back. But I, I mean, I quite admire the whole, he just ran into the net, got the ball and that was it. You know, as Francis says, this whole like putting the hands up or oh, sorry, you know, it's really, mm-hmm. t- to use a phrase from still game, birthday cared pish. At times <laughs> with what you see down in English Premier League, you know, when they, they've had a wee brief loan spell at a team and they score against them and then like, no, oh, no, no, no celebrations. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, it's different for last. And seven amazing, amazing years at Celtic. Uh, the best player that I think easily of our generation mm-hmm. um so yeah it was it was a, a touch of class from him just to go in and just get all but sadly i know there was some booze on the night which uh. really disappoints me and i think mm-hmm. i see Stephen come up in the comments saying that some people calling him judas for that yeah. move as well and it's like come on do, do you want to know the judas a... we'll tell you about uh. judas well johnston <laughs> it was a wee bit uh, of a red Barcelona, man <laughs> As yeah. much as we're blinded and got the green tinted glasses, a wee bit of realism here. Yeah. And there's and nobody can grudge him either. Like you say, it was nah. seven majestic years that gave us. He'd more than earned his uh, his time in the sun. And um I, I think you're bang on, Patrick. I absolutely. <laughs> um but you know, so the game sort of from there naturally fizzled out. Although again, there was still that and you, you know, there was still about fifteen minutes to go, I think, when when Henrik scored. You think <clears> up the park and get another one, but back in the game here just as it was um, back then but, but the game finished in a 3-1 defeat and uh, Franny we went back to the, the San Siro uh, for match night two against AC Milan and I need to say despite the fact that we didn't fear anybody back then I think expectations were pretty low uh, mm-hmm. with regards to playing this particular AC Milan team and you could argue that that was justified when, after only eight minutes, we went a goal behind to, to a great finish for Andrei Shevchenko. And you do worry that perhaps it's going to be damage limitation at this point. And then, incredibly, I remember I was working back shift that night. We heard through <laughs> the real radio uh, updates at that as it was back then that Stanislav Varga had equalised with uh, just over was. 10 minutes to go. We were going to get a first point away from home in the Champions League. I I, know, but I can just remember just the corner coming in and it was it was an absolute bullet yeah, a header a absolute header. great header just there was nobody stopping him getting on the end of that it didn't really matter and he just uh, like 
I think it was Dida that was in goals, just had absolutely no chance. Mm-hmm. And then he only went and made an arse no long after that and <laughs> slid in for a ball that never made. And then mm-hmm. I can't remember who it broke to. It was probably Pirlo or something. And then he just crossed it to the guy we mentioned earlier, Pepper and Zaga. And I'm sure mm-hmm. he scored the winner that night. And then mm-hmm. just a wee one for about three yards out. But uh, it was... Uh, like, it was really some head on it. Like you say, ten, you're like, 10 minutes, just hold off for 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. yeah. we didn't, we didn't, Anthony. Well, <laughs> yeah, well that, that's that's the thing, uh, Phil, we were saying about the fact that we got ourselves back into the game where we weren't expected to. And mm-hmm. perhaps you would think, well, if they're going to lose now, they'll just, you know, they'll go up the park and do it. But we got it to the 89th minute and we thought, what a way to really kickstart our campaign. And then... Perhaps as you know, subsequently it's happened to us in the San Siro since then uh, against AC Milan and um, Champions League campaigns later on. Mm. It was just—I don't want to say it was bad game management in terms of you know, but the the, the sad reality is it was two late goals. Yes, Aye. one of them was a deflection, but if ever there was a game, I think to sum up a lot of luck, the kind of luck we get in the Champions League, it was Aye. that game. Uh, this is something that I've said quite a few times when it comes to and it's not just this victim mentality that happens to your team, you think mm-hmm. you've got the worst luck in the world, but I genuinely do believe you put our record and the things that happened to us up against any team across the continent, we've got the worst luck in the world. Only these mm-hmm. things can happen to Celtic. You know, you're playing that amazing AC Milan team, the pro-evil AC Milan team, as I call them. <laughs> imagine you two gentlemen of a similar Aye. vintage to me, like a bit of pro-evil from the mid-2000s. Aye. That so superior Milan. if you thought it was scary. Aye, scary. That's what I think about when I think of that era. Probably, well, I remember that AC Milan team and the Inter team, and uh, oh, that they were unbelievable. Oh, Adriano, ninety-nine shot power. Just shot, just shot for anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a mon- absolute monster <laughs> in the park. But Aye. we did so well. We're so close. It's like our first point away from home. We're going to actually get here. This is fantastic. After losing our home record, here we go. We're going to get a point away, and then yeah. They can see two goals right at the death. It's like it's bad enough if you see one if we lost two one, but then a wee exclamation point put on it as well with mm. that free kick from Pirlo because mm. you just don't give Pirlo a chance from that distance at all because yeah. he'll ping one in. It's like, yep, this can only happen to Celtic. <laughs> add it to the Leon one from the season before with the handball. It's like ah, just add it on the Bayern Munich game where Magnus Edmund just flapped at nothing. It just mm. add it to the list. I remember a lot of that was around the time when. No, I was I was only sixteen, coming on going on seventeen with this um with in this campaign, but I remember a few guys that were drinking the pub around the same time as me. That was them starting to go over like for the the foreign trips and stuff away from home, and a lot of them went to Milan that year. And I remember like even now when we talk about it, it says there's there's been rarely been a, a game where they can remember being just as pig sick as what they were that night because they thought that was genuinely. That was the night they were going to do it, or the night when they weren't expected to get anything. Yeah, and it comes so close. Um, it's you know, Stevens had asked in the group chat, as it uh, and on the comments, said, is it a mindset thing? It, it, but perhaps as uh, Stephen, you know, I think we've had so many of these hard luck stories that perhaps there is a, a little mental block there that may well be the case. Um, but I just wanted to, before we go any further, I noticed that Kaiser had said there that he's. He's doing the, the sleep-in uh, to raise money for the foundation. That's absolutely fantastic, mate. And if you want to put up your, um, if you're doing a GoFundMe or whatever, if you want to put it up in the comments, um, I don't know if, maybe if people want to donate, they might be able to, to link in. It's a great cause. Um, so well, well done, Eve. I know a few people that have done it before. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing effort to do it. And um, yeah, we, you just if, if we, there's a way where we can get some fundraise for it, then by all means, let's do it. 
so Phil, you're, you're sort of saying there, as I said, zero points from two games, that, but you perhaps sort of kind of take any account. You go, it's Barca at home, it's AC Milan away. These guys are, even back then, you know, they still had a far greater resources than even what, what uh, Martin could um, sort of take to any, you know, in, in his, uh, his disposal, especially when you consider the fact that we were without Henrik uh, at this point as well. Mm. But as disappointed as we were from these two games, it felt the third one was really when the, the sort of group you felt was starting to run away with it and you felt that it could end up being something similar to what's uh, happened at Ibrox this season. You know, the, yeah. the, it was a, a bit of a turgid first half away to Shakhtar, but we had injuries at the time to, uh, during the game to Chris Sutton and, and Jackie McNamara, you know, two absolute stalwarts of that group. And then in the second half, one of, you know, perhaps David Marshall's star was starting to fade a little bit after the Barcelona game um, at home because a lot of them blamed him for the deflected goal in the San Siro, but he didn't cover himself in too much glory uh, with this game. And actually, I think Magnus Hedman replaced him for the final three games. Um, but it was just, I, I think I would probably say that of, of all the Champions League campaigns, even the, the big hits that we've taken off the likes of PSG and whatever, the 3-0, uh, maybe just because we weren't aware of the qualities that the team had, yeah, that was as bad a, a half hour if I ever remember watching Celtic in Europe. Oh, it was um, it was it was a tragic one to watch. And the thing mm. was, most fans, me myself included, I I fancied our chances in this one because mm. you know you're playing a team that are relatively unknown, the only Ukrainian team that really made any sort of you know land well, any sort of like you know a contribution to European football at that point during the sort of like early two thousands was uh, Dynamo Kiev with mm-hmm. Shevchenko and Rebrov. So when we just shagged Ardenetsk, you're like, you know, we should beat them. But, you know, you look at some of the players that they had. Like we had Alano who went on to play for Man City. But of all, just before, just before Man City got taken over by, is it the... Ah, uh, the new not, guy, wasn't it? Aye, because it was um, Taxi and Shinawatra or something like that. He was uh, like, Thailand or something. Uh, he took over and Sven Goranek. I imagine they had Alano. They also had guys like um, Timoshuk, the Ukrainian midfielder. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, um, they had the Croatian international goalie goals as play a coaster or something like that, or Plekovic, something along those lines. They had a the guy called Matusalem in midfield. He was an absolute baller. Brandao uh, up front. Oh, Brandao, I can always remember him. And of course, he unfortunately named Razvan Rat at left back. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a common second name in mm-hmm. Romania. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, but yeah, they had some they had some real good players, and we found out the hard way, unfortunately. They absolutely uh they ragdolled us essentially, and it was. Uh, and funny thing enough, we played them again a few years later, and I can remember the first half in that one. It was damage limitation after ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't seem to learn their lesson a few years later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they showed us right away that they are a good side and not to be uh, overlooked just because we hadn't heard of them at that point. They were oil rich and they were definitely flexing their muscle with the team they had. I think you're you're absolutely bang on, and I think as well, Fran. I mean, obviously, Shakhtar playing a very obviously they're, they're not playing in Ukraine at the at the moment for uh, you know the horrific circumstances as we all know. But um, they obviously play at the the, the Don is it Donbass Arena um, now the, the big yeah. one that they built for Euro 2012. It's an amazing stadium, but back then I can't even remember the name of the stadium now. But it was a proper you know, a kind of backwater. And I think that's why perhaps a lot of fans thought this is going to be the game that will get back in the group and whatever. Um, but unfortunately, we got given a bit of a footballing lesson. Uh, it's like you said, they were going up against the unknown. Thought, well, they're obviously an unknown for a reason. 
so we'll we'll get three points off them and stuff. Mm. But little did we know that they were all they were oil rich to <laughs> God knows what. Mm. Like just your Man City's your your PSGs, they were they were the early ones of them really uh, mm. doing all that nonsense. And like you say, they didn't have like the sort of work permit restrictions, so that's how you had all these these top Brazilians that were maybe going to UK first before coming over. Maybe like well, going, it would have been Italy still then, mm. and maybe occasionally they would pop up in uh, England, but they were still just going to Italy and sort of uh, Spain and Germany and things like that. But Shakhtar managed to flex their muscle a bit with the money and spending still money. Like you say, guys, like don't know if I, I don't think for Fernandinho wouldn't have been there by then. It would have been too early for him, but. Mm. Uh, it was just I can remember that guy Matuslin. Matuslin. Uh, he oh he was an absolute player. Like say Timashuk, I think he played against us later on and things like that. But I uh, just throughout the years they actually like they had so many players, but I think they had a guy called a Vander or something or a Wander as well, and just all these mad proper Brazilian type names that you would you'd mm-hmm. think in that, and they were all just absolute proper balls. And like you say it was mm. the second half they just absolutely blew us away that game. Uh, they certainly did. So you're sitting there, zero points uh, yep. from a possible nine from three games. And uh, yeah, you, you, it's needless to say, you, you could be forgiven for thinking all was lost and that this tournament was going to completely run away for us. And as some of the guys have alluded to in the comments, their domestic form by this time in the year wasn't great either. We were dropping points, even at home. Um, obviously, a, a massive 77 game unbeaten home record, which ran from 2001 to 2004. Had came to a, an end earlier on uh, yeah. in the uh, the previous campaign after the league had already been won to Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah. Aberdeen then came down and beat us again uh, <laughs> in the autumn as well. So things definitely, and obviously we know that by the end of the season, Martin would be gone. And it was around the time that were sort of rumours that things perhaps weren't, not everyone was seeing eye to eye behind the scenes. Uh, there you go, Geo's to, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, from that, you know, relative despair, uh, mm. Phil comes up, you know, c- c- quite an inspiring story and uh, mm. an amazing fight back uh, yeah. from all concerned. Um, mm. the, as as they proved in years gone by, we didn't fear anyone on our night. We were more than a match for anybody. Uh, so Operation Saver European campaign was to begin mm. on match night four at home to, to Shakhtar, the return game. Mm-hmm. Not one of the famous European nights, but something that um, we, we will all remember it for is something that we should have got on Saturday, actually, had the referee yeah. uh, known the rules uh, of the game. We yeah. scored from an indirect free kick. Um, the Shakhtar goalkeeper was deemed to have held on to the ball longer than the, the approved six seconds. Six second rule, yeah. Uh, That's that, the old six second rule. And from yeah. that, uh, Alan Thompson did what he did best and uh, from a set piece, Put the ball in the corner, uh, low in the corner, and we were back in it. And from that, we won the game 1-0. Mm-hmm. We were more than in a shout of a UEFA Cup place. We were. It was, uh, if I remember right, when the uh, free kick gets awarded, there's quite a panic from the Shakhtar players because they know that we've got uh, Alan Thompson there with that left foot. Mm-hmm. He's just going to rifle it. And uh, they weren't stopping it, no matter how many people they put on the line. But um, the weird thing is with that group and the way it was structured, sometimes for a team like us, it's good to have a group where you've got two teams that are just way better than the other two and you can just have a straight-out mm-hmm. fight for the, mm-hmm. the third place because yeah, Shakhtar, the only points they'd got at that point was against us as well. So it was a common evident because Milan and Barca were pulling away into the distance. It was like, right, we've still got a chance here because 
you don't think Shakhtar are going to get many more points in this group, do you? <laughs> no. That's what you're thinking. So it's like, we've still got a home game in Milan to come. <laughs> We're good at home. And they've still got to play Barca in Milan at this point. And uh, you, you, you just think, nah, we, we've actually got a shout now because uh, the way that group has just fell and the way it's structured. So sometimes those can be a benefit, providing the other team doesn't throw a wee spanner in the works. And uh, yeah. yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> well, well that, that, that's it. You're, you're, you're bang on, Phil. And Franny, it's funny enough that you were mentioning the fact that it was the kind of straight shootout. I felt that very much the... Oh, enough, we lost the game uh, in the end, but I felt very much that the home match against Leipzig this year had the similar kind of feel as to what it did playing Shakhtar that night, where it felt like the group was perhaps getting away from us a little bit. But if we were to win that match, we could be right back in contention. Um, even if it was for a third place finish now, that Celtic team got a, a 1-0 victory. Sadly, we, we didn't manage that this year. But um, it just goes to show you uh, fine margins at this level. Uh, as a, like Teams are in this competition for a reason. They're no, there's not really any poor teams in it. And funny, It's funny how Shakhtar threw a spanner in the works this season and threw a spanner in the works <laughs> the season we're talking about. It's, it's yeah. almost like the stars are late. But it's like you say, it's we expected Real Madrid to run away with this season. They did to an extent, but Shakhtar mm-hmm. picked up some mental results. They mm-hmm. they got Leipzig at the perfect time. We could have probably done the fixtures as much as we wanted to start the campaign at home to Real Madrid. Can't ask for it better, but I think on hindsight's benefit hindsight, could have been with Leipzig starting at home when they were still going a wee bit through their mm-hmm. their, their bad period. But uh, it was... Shakhtar had only obviously had, at that time had three points I think in the group because obviously they'd lost their two games and then obviously like you say that Alan Thompson goal so it puts you on level points I can't remember if back then it still went with a head-to-head or it was goal I think it was goal difference at that I think stage. it was goal difference at that stage so you were they like say you were still hoping for uh, Shakhtar to lose the next two games by decent margins a wee bit yeah. uh, but like we say we they end up throwing a spanner in the works. But aye, the, the game itself was a bit of a scrappy one. I think that free kick happened quite early on or something, the first 20 minutes or yeah, something. It was 20 minutes, yeah. That was mad, but it was just... I think the stadium a wee bit, I, like, watched it on telly, it was... Nobody really knew what was happening because, obviously, six-second rule, it wasn't really applied. It was one of the ones that just, like that, or unlike Saturday, the rule, the ruling was applied. But, I mm. like you say, Alan Thompson for... Anywhere between there and about 30 yards, he was absolutely yeah. lethal with that left foot, especially mm. with a set piece where he's just he's almost just running up and just scalping it as hard as he can. And mm. you tend to see a lot of the ones either get ballooned away over the bar or somebody just takes one for the team. But just something about Alan Thompson, he just he found a gap where there wasn't no one. Yeah, it was just he always just seemed to manage to do it. And I got the campaign, made the campaign look a wee bit. Yeah, you were still bottom of the group, but. With three points on the board with a home game coming up against AC Milan. We just thought, well, here we go again. Well, that, that, that's it. And if um, if we had a, a spark of hope after the first game, uh, after the turn leg to Shakhtar, Franny, we were on positive cloud nine after, uh, after the next <laughs> result because after all the years of being turned over away from home at so many different grounds all over the continent, Nobody, I think, even the most positive of us, gave ourselves any hope of that changing at all in the next game. I remember I didn't even see the game. I was at a Kanye West concert, of all things. <laughs> College dropout to a row four. What, what time to be alive, man, before he went into proper space cadet mode. And, uh, 
And um, but you know, we couldn't believe it. I thought maybe we we're on the same drugs as Kanye was clearly on at the time because news had filtered through that Celtic had drawn one mm. each with Barcelona in the new camp with Magnus Edmund and goals. Tell me how that happened. I don't know. The, the simple answers, I don't know. Like, what I can remember, it was a typical Barcelona dominating dominating the game. We, we had our chances. We had chances. But it was just one of the free kicks. That, uh, like, to this day, I'm adamant John Hartson was offside with that. I, I, I think he's offside. I don't know. I think he's, but mm. you take it. It was just one of the free kicks that swung out of the back post. And sometimes you just, like, a couple of guys maybe get a flick on sometimes. Didn't really change the direction of the ball, but it just, the keeper, it's one of the ones where the keeper can't really move because if he, he moves, mm. then it, and then it does just do that inevitable thing where it works its way to the back post. He's away, got the near post and weight position. He's just got to gamble, hoping, like, somebody maybe gets a touch on the way he's hoping it going. It just it was one of the ones that just kind of floated over, and I think it was... Maybe Varga that maybe got a flick on it or something, and there was Hartson just standing at the back post, and hmm. I think it came off his knee in the way. And I don't know how it was one of the ones that just got in the road. It knew he had to get it in and got in the road. It and I hmm. we, we managed to hold off this time, Anthony. I mean, I think right, it was but... a wee bit later in the Milan game, wasn't it? I think it was slightly later. I'm not 100 sure. I think so. Well, well, that that that's the thing. Um, Felton, it's maybe a good thing that Stevens just backstage doing the comments tonight because he would mm-hmm. be telling us. That that's how you play away from yeah. home. You, you have to be defensively minded, and you'll yep. get the fruits of your labour. Um, what what do you make of that? I mean, it's obviously Martin's team were known for being big and physical. They obviously had you know the likes of Petrov, etc. That, that yep. were very skillful, but um, that team was sort of built on being strong for the back and letting the mm-hmm. creative players uh, have the freedom to do uh, what they needed to do most of the time with devastating effect. But um, I don't think any of us were expecting our first points away from home in the Champions League to no. be at the camp now. No, definitely not. If you had to pick one ground to you know where we get our first point, I don't think anybody, anybody in their right mind to be get put away in an insane asylum if they'd said, oh, the new camp, mm-hmm. that'll be the first place that we get our points. Because uh, that mm-hmm. was uh, one of those backs-to-the-wall performances again where we just have to defend at all costs. Because you go, we went behind early, Samuel Eto'o scored. And uh, you're thinking, oh, this, this could this could be a bad one here. And we would take our trouncings at the new camp in years to come, but yeah, obviously Hartson's goal, and I agree with Franny. I remember when the goal went in, you do feel like it just felt so easy for him that you feel like there's got to be a catch here. There has to be mm-hmm. something like you're waiting for an offside flag or whatever, but yeah, it was just yeah. so easy for him just to tap it in at the back post. But yeah, we, we held on, and Barcelona must be scratching their head at the end going, that's twice in this calendar year that they've came <laughs> to this ground, and we can't beat them. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, yeah, just by the way, kudos to um, as much as he's a bit of a you know a, a joke figure at, at the club mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but you do have to give Magnus Edmund uh, mm-hmm. praise that night because it wasn't didn't quite maybe live up to the miraculous um, display of David Marshall a few months before, mm-hmm. but he still had a brilliant game that night. I remember him making two or three you know pretty top draw saves. I know perhaps Roy Keane would say, "Well, he's a top international goalkeeper. That's what he's supposed to do." But you know. <laughs> You've got to be, you've you've got to give credit where it's due, and um, yeah, absolutely. It's also we also beat Barcelona years later with Effie Ambrose at the back, so you know <laughs> such is life. And uh, there's Steven. I, I knew he couldn't resist. He definitely <laughs> had to get the weenie to be defensively minded in there. Yeah. Uh, it's all about opinions, Captain. It's all about opinions. <laughs> and um, 
from there, get into the final game at home uh, against the, you know, soon to be Europe, well, European champions in a couple of years after this. Uh, yep. Phil, but the, the thing is with that AC Milan team, and uh, oh, pop somebody here. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take. It's very rare I get a compliment like that, Monty. So I'll take that. <laughs> no, thanks very much. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, yeah, so get into the final game, guys. Sorry, and um, it's a, it's AC Milan at home. The AC Milan team, as you as you as you say, Phil, the pro evil AC Milan oh, team. We all, we all the the world stars. But like we've talked about earlier, the fact of who we were at the time, our previous uh, campaigns under Martin, we feared nobody. And boiled on by that point in the new camp, we knew that, of course, of course, Barcelona are going to knock seven yeah. stages of shite out of uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> so all we need to do is uh, try and um, match or better that result with the home crowd behind us. I remember it was a fantastic atmosphere that night. I think the undertones played... Uh, pre-match as well to get the crowd going uh, but in the days before we had uh, Liam McGrandles to, 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 to sort of get us going before a match we had uh, the undertones from Ireland and it was a fantastic atmosphere and Aidan McGeady stole the show that night in the first half taking on all the, the Nestas and the Maldinis of this world and with absolute no fear yep. unfortunately we just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net I, you know, that's the thing with McGeady and you're right, young player playing without fear sometimes, you know, you just throw them in there and they can have forms like that, look at David Marshall earlier in the year at the new camp you know, his first start for the club you know, a youngster just throwing in there because well, we had to put him in for that one and yeah, you know, you go in there without fear no, no real pressure on you because nobody's expecting you to deliver the way you do and I and McGeady that night showed what he was all about, but the, the experience for that one my, my experience for the AC Milan game is I was at a Kasabian concert that night. Where you were saying you were at a Kanye mm -hmm. concert for the mm -hmm. Barca one. I went to see Kasabian at the Barrowlands that night. It was a phenomenal, mm -hmm. phenomenal concert. But we came out of there, oh, and somebody had said on or got it on the phone just before the social media day and age. But somebody mm -hmm. got a text message when all the phone signals were starting to come back when you get out of the Barrowlands, mm -hmm. and uh, Celtic have drawn nil nil. And of course, you'd think a point would have put us in five points for it. That'll mm -hmm. be enough to get us through. But then we were quickly told that uh, yeah, Shakhtar had beaten Barcelona 2-0 with championship manager legend Julius Agahauer scoring a race. <laughs> yeah, a championship manager. If uh, Shinadi was out there, we remember Julius Agahauer. He was an, a baller of a player as well. Uh, but yeah, 2-0 to Shakhtar. And again, only this can happen to Celtic where they, they threw a spanner in the works and off we off we were out the, out the trophy, out the, the cup, sadly, at the, the first hurdle this year, fourth uh, place. I think that's what um, perhaps, and even, you know, I, I remember the campaign well, but it's always when you think of Martin's campaigns in the Champions League, Franny, you think of the debut season, with the, you know, the, the, the unknown and, you know, not getting through with nine points despite winning all our home games. We then had the, the disappointment uh, and heartache in, in Leon, but, you know, sandwiched in between that with the UEFA Cup final appearance. So when you think all of that, there's then... Martin's final season, we finished fourth. To start with, you would just think, oh, that must have been a really disappointing campaign. And obviously it was, <laughs> but it was by no, we'd by no means disgraced ourselves with a very poor result away from home against Shakhtar. But even the other two games, um, sorry, the other matches against both of the, the, the giants of European football, we certainly punched and, and gave as good as we got and just came up short a little bit in the end. Well, 
what I can remember that game, we certainly went toe to toe with that Milan team. I think mm-hmm. I think it could have been any score. Like Milan had plenty of chances and we had a lot of chances. I think if it was three three, folk would have been like, I get that seeing that game. It was mm-hmm. it was a fairly open open game, Pirlo just in the middle pulling the strings and then just a typical Martin O'Neill performance away for Europe where it was it was a wee bit basically it was get get it to the wide men, get crosses in. And it was causing them, but cause European teams. But it was just, it's not really the fashionable way to play anywhere. With the whole four four two, get it wide, get just get tons of crosses in. But I can just remember McGee was absolutely ridiculous that night. I think it was was that would it have been Carfe or Zambro? I can't remember who. But I just however they had it right back, had him on toast, and he also done that wee turn on Nesta. I can remember mm-hmm. that one where it, like he just whatever they spins it round, takes on his left foot and. Like absolutely done Nesta, and you're like, mate, do you realise what you're doing here? Yeah. This is Alessandro <laughs> Nesta here. See when you come up against Kirk Broadfoot, go and pretend he's Nesta because you <laughs> never, never go by him. Maldini retired, Maldini. Aye, and buddy, Broadfoot retired. Maldini. I've never seen Maldini like it was horrendous against Rangers. I can never remember a good game against Rangers, and you see him against guys like like your Maldinis, your Nestas, and all that, and you're like. Aye. You realise what you've done to these boys, man. They just they couldn't mm-hmm. get near you, and you kind of turn it on against guys like like Broadfoot <laughs> and that. It's, it was ridiculous, but uh, I was just one of the nights where you just needed they needed a Papo and Zaga type goal, something just to hit off you, mm-hmm. just go in mm-hmm. gear something. But it just it wasn't it to be. But obviously, I was watching the game on the telly, so I'm sitting there knowing what's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the, the old teletext back there, just checking the score, so you knew. What was kind of happening in the other game? You're like, oh, hmm. we, did, we just at the time you're going as much as obviously why win the game's great. You're like, even if we win this at this stage, it's not good enough because you're like, they're running mm-hmm. to nothing. They're absolutely <laughs> winning to nothing. A, a win's not good enough. But you're like, <laughs> it was one of the games where they put it, they gave everything to get the result they needed, but it just it wasn't mm-hmm. to be. You were the level of opposition you were up against. It was it was one of them. You just didn't have that killer instinct in the box for it. That, that's it and uh, as I say I think had we perhaps won the game that night I think the atmosphere at that game would have probably been remembered more by, by a lot of the fans than perhaps it is you know when you think of the top nights of the, the yeah. current you know the Champions League mm-hmm. era right. most fans will probably say Barcelona Juventus um, but, you know possibly even Manchester City that night it was a great game mm-hmm. but I, I, I just remember that night being incredible the, the noise before that game was inc- and obviously the, like you say the way they started um, when McGeady t- turned in all the tricks it, it, it had all the ingredients for one of those proper mm-hmm. I mean they're all mm-hmm. there's always special it's always special a European night at Celtic Park especially mm. in the Champions League. Spartak but, Moscow was one of the best ones I've been at. Moscow, yep, absolutely. Yeah, that was up there the penalty shootout. Aye. Mm. Definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that and then one of the next... A <laughs> mm. couple of rewinds away, but definitely mm. it's going to be one of the good, the good moments. Probably the most nerve-wracking night um, oh, you, you, you've got, certainly up there that you'll ever have uh, at Celtic Park. But as mm. I say, everyone was there for a special night and it was, it was very good. It just wasn't great. Um, in terms of just getting the result and, and putting us into what we, and the, I think what's so disappointing is you just never know that team were still capable of going on a decent run in the UEFA Cup I think I don't think we, maybe would have got to a final again um, but you know a decent draw 
the Suttons and the Hartsons and the Petrovs of this world were more than a match for anybody. We would have had Bellamy added to the in the January window. Mm-hmm. We would have been more than a match for any team, and we would have um, we would certainly wouldn't have would, wouldn't have shown any fear. But mm. needless to say, that's just the way the, the cookie crumbles Aye. sometimes. So for the first time in Champions League history, we finished fourth from four uh, with mm. five points. Shakhtar on six with, yeah. with that last match night six victory over. Barcelona pipped us uh, to third place. Barcelona finished with 10 points and the Pro Evo AC Milan team finished <laughs> on 13. So we can always say that we took one of the greatest uh, football insides ever. We, we held them to a draw at our own pitch. We very nearly did the same in the San Siro. But um, mm. just um, special times and um, spearheaded uh, Phil by a very, very special manager for many I would probably say myself included, still out with, you know, obviously you have Jockstein, no, nobody's going to ever come close to that man's achievements. But I think in the modern era, um, for me, Martin O'Neill's still the godfather. You know, you still look at the way he was, he was loved and, you know, the, you know, heralded when he came back there on Trophy Day uh, in May. You know, the mm. fans, of uh, long before they were born, he, he had left the dugout, but he was still getting absolutely hounded for selfies and, and photographs and, yeah. and everything else um, when he was coming down. Uh, the stairs to, to do the, the post-match presentation. He's just mm. absolutely loved by the Celtic support. And uh, it's understandable why. I mean, he, he came to Celtic Park on day one and said that um, he would do everything he possibly could to bring some success to the club. Yeah. Uh, three league titles, three Scottish Cups, a League Cup, three Champions League campaigns, and of course, the small matter of uh, taking us to our first European final in 33 years when we went mm. to Seville uh, to take on Porto. Um, Jose Mourinho's Porto who went on to win the Champions League uh, the year after and um, that's just that's just the basic maths but when you think of everything else you know he's a, a record that still stands to this day 25 league games in a row um, straight wins in the 2003-04 season a season which was also seven victories in a row against Rangers uh, one from the season before and then we won yep. all six games against them that year mm-hmm. um, he often he says that you can't afford to rely on history you've got to go out and make your own well I think it's safe to say he certainly did that in his time at Celtic Park Oh, for a shadow of a doubt the best team as well in our lifetimes of that Celtic side that he had mm-hmm. was from because obviously you can you can draw some comparisons to obviously what Brendan Rodgers achieved when he came up here and You've got to look at what Martin was up against. I mean, I personally do love the Brendan Rodgers era because I was based on being a season ticket holder. That was the most enjoyable time I've had as a season ticket holder because I've got mine in 2007, so Strachan was manager. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't go to many games during the Neil era, so I had to live mm-hmm. basically through watching it on the television. But in terms of what he was up against and what he achieved, when you look at that, illegally spending Rangers side, shall mm-hmm. we say, they found mm-hmm. some uh, loopholes here and there to exploit. And the players that they were bringing in, and the very first season that he had, you just need to look at it. The 2000, they finished what 21 points or something behind Rangers, and then uh, he comes in in that summer. And by the summer of 2001, we've won the treble, and I think we've won the league by 20 something points as well. It was a massive swing to turn it around and say you're up against an absolute powerhouse, a Dick Advocate Rangers team. And then he did have his problems when Alex McLeish came in. For some reason, mm-hmm. Alex McLeish's Rangers side had some sort of Indian side over them, but they just couldn't <laughs> find a victory for about a year. So there was a couple of times where we fought against them, but again, he found a way to change, you know, he changed the system and so forth and found a way to beat them. And some of the memories that he gave us along the way, I mean, the Seville run in itself, a season where we won no trophies, there was no tangible physical trophy at the end of it, of all the competitions we entered, but it's still, to this day, 
one of the best seasons mm. any of us have experienced. And I think that speaks volumes as well. Just how good that era and that time was where you can have a season where you didn't win anything. You had to run to the UEFA Cup mm. final. And that means more than trophies. It really does. Mm. Some of the memories and some of the, along the way were absolutely phenomenal. What a man, Martin O'Neill. He's a, you're, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, so much it's it's the as football supporters, Franny, all you want is the the great memories to have, and thankfully, as Celtic supporters, we don't have any shortage of them. But as Phil says, but it's it's ironic that a club where you know success is a drug that you can never get have too much of. It's a season which we didn't actually win any silverware that so many look back uh, with the fondest memories. I mean, we, we a lot of the time just call that team the Seville team. Um, which is it's crazy that, that, that there's a, a name for a team that on that calendar year um, didn't win anything. But <laughs> in the in the years in between uh, and before, before and after, I'm sure that we definitely put plenty of pots in the in the trophy cabinet. They were just um, as as Phil says, a, a, a special side, special players, um, and you know, Martin alongside John Robertson and Stevie Wolford were a fantastic, you know, management trio, and we've heard. From you know, as years have gone by, a lot of the the, the players of that generation, you know, they, they speak at you know the you know the supporters' dinners and whatnot, and what a common thread seems to be from them all is that you know it was very much the coaching Monday to Friday was John Robertson and Stevie Wolford's domain. Martin's job was to you know he would come along on a Friday, get a progress report, pick the team, and uh, do the business on a Saturday, which. To us, almost sounds you know very aloof and uh, perhaps not as hands-on as what you would expect a lot of perhaps the modern coaches to be. But by the same token, whenever a lot of these players also speak, they say that it, he's his greatest gift was just before going out the tunnel and uh, some of his pre-match speeches. You know, they, and I can think of off the top of my head the six-two game, the game against Liverpool at Anfield, the second leg in the UEFA Cup run. There's, there's just times when the players say, Martin, perhaps a bit like Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, they just had the knack for saying the right thing at the right time. I was, like, I can remember, like, of, what would I have been about seven, sixteen, seventeen, I think, when they came in. And it was, obviously, you were just kind of getting sky in that. And it was it was weird how, how welcome they were, like, Everybody knew we'd got a special manager. I think when Martin O'Neill came in, you knew you'd got a proper calibre manager. And obviously went on to, to show that. And like you say, it's, his management style, if you knew what you knew then, probably... I think if he wasn't getting the success, you'd be going, ah, you need to be more like the training ground here, mate, and getting, mm-hmm. getting involved. But like, if you're getting the success, you manage the team however you want to manage the team. Mm-hmm. Like, who are we to say, this is the right way spread? Bringing trophies got us done as well in Europe and stuff. So it's, and if you're still keeping guys like Larson, Hartson, Sutton happy, you must be doing something right and mm. things like that. So I like, I'm something you like, Seville year as much as we didn't win anything is probably my up there with my favourite time as being there because simply I was, I was 18, I think, I 18 at the time. So it was my first away trip, really proper away trip to go and see Celtic because I just wasn't allowed beforehand with my mum and mm-hmm. with my dad and all driving and things like that. It was just, wasn't one of the things. But uh, I, I ended up going away with my uncle, just was like, nah, he phoned up, was like, you want to go? And I was like, aye, aye, we're going. Just however we do it, we're going. And funny enough, we actually drove for Paris all the way down to Seville. That's before <laughs> Paris and drove all the way down. I drove all the way back. But what an experience. Just to be... I never had a ticket for the game, but we're in the sort of fan zone, but I So, I for me... 
Mark Lanell has to be has to be the the manager of the era. It's, there's no no questions about it really. Like Brendan Rodgers, brilliant, absolutely getting no way for it. I wish I wish I had the foresight to fall because I gave up my season ticket if Brendan Rodgers first season. <laughs> oh, what a shocker I had that well it'd be Dylan's last season. Like mm-hmm. I was like, nah, I've had enough of this. Even though we we're winning things, I was like, did they? I yep. was probably of the generation now where they see a lot of success and just expect more. And I probably didn't quite properly appreciate Dyla, so to say. Mm. And then I was like, nah, gain up my season ticket. I'm sticking to the golf. And Brendan Rogers popped up about six, about two months later, and I'm like, oh, tried to get my <laughs> ticket back, and there was absolutely no chance. And the rest is history, say, Andy. We're, mm. we're on waiting lists these days for, for a season <laughs> ticket. But I, Mark oh, Neil, what a character. Yeah. If you want, I mean, mm. we're in depth. Look at him, check on the Bastalgia one. I think Phil done three episodes oh. on him, and we know how long the Bastalgia oh. goes for, so you need a week anyway. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were all about three hours. Like a week <laughs> off. He, he definitely didn't get the ending that he deserved, though, the way no. that season ended. I mean, the cup final we had was just a mere trinket, it was a pure damp squibby mm. a cup final. I think the knew was away as well, eh? Yeah, it was one of them. yeah, it was. He definitely didn't deserve that, but. We won't talk about the H word about that vehicle that flies in the air. We won't. Oh, we won't talk about oh, that. <laughs> absolutely not. No. Well, do you know? Funnily enough, when I was in the I was in the superstore with my wee boy at the Dundee United game, and obviously they've got a lot of the Christmas uh, gifts collections and, and whatnot out. And Celtic have got their own brand of Lego going out at the minute, and there's some cracking sets. Don't get me wrong, but one of them's uh, you get the team bus, you get the stadium. Fair enough. The dressing room. And there's, there's a helicopter now as well. I was oh like, no. who the idea was that? Because <laughs> we got uh, it with, with Venegade Heswick when he scored against Dundee United, we know, but true, it was true. one of the ones where we pretty much knew we were going to do it. That yeah, day, I think. Nah, that's it. We've never had it swing back in our favour like, no. like they sadly did that year. But as I say, they've only won it about two or three times since, didn't they? So, you know, uh, they can have a wee loan of it for a while. Um, yeah. It's back where it belongs now, and I'm very sure it ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, I'm the same. For I, I wasn't in Seville, unfortunately. My dad's, you know, very much a man of education. He says, you know, you've got to go and do your PE exam uh, that week. So the day the Seville match, I was uh, in, in, the, in St. Kent's doing my PE exam in the morning. I think... Uh, Funnily enough, we were talking about it at the weekend there and I took one look in the mirror I was going, what was the fucking thought process behind that? What <laughs> is a PE exam going to do for me? Who was that going to get me But, uh, you know, needless to say, I wasn't there, but, uh, uh, you know, plenty, plenty worry, of magical I, uh, memories along the way. I, I patched my uh, geography higher to watch England-Argentina in the 2002 World Cup. It was on at the same time <laughs> and it's like, I could go in and do this exam that I'm probably going to fail, or I could watch England Argentina. So I chose the football. But England won that game, so I'm kind of oh, thinking. Probably should have went in for the exam. Actually. Day, can you, <laughs> can you point to where Argentina and geography is on the map? I can't. I could do that. So well, what did you need geography for? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, that um, that kind of brings the it to an end, boys. After a wee tribute to the gaffer there, um, that kind of wraps up. Season 2004-2005, uh, Champions League Rewind. The next one we'll be doing, of course, will be uh, season 2006-07. Uh, we'll have it with a new manager at the helm, Gordon Strachan. Uh, a whole new team, essentially. Um, obviously, in the year in between, we had no European football whatsoever. But give the wee man his due. I think he more than made up for that uh, with some of the memories that he gave us in Europe. And... Um, mm-hmm. 
that glass ceiling of the last 16. We finally smashed it and made it through uh, to the knockout stages. Um, two seasons uh, in a row. So we've got plenty to look forward to in the upcoming rewinds, which we'll let you guys and the, the, the viewers know much about um, uh, when, when we're planning on doing them. And um, just to let people know as well, although there is no domestic action now until the 17th of December, we obviously have the World Cup uh, coming up. Um, Endless Celts isn't stopping. There will be plenty, there'll be content on at least the usual Monday night and Friday nights at eight o'clock. And um, we're going to maybe try and, if there's weekend shows we can fit in, um, etc. I think the plan is to perhaps do one this Sunday. We'll, we'll be back on on Friday night, but we might be doing one on Sunday morning as well, ahead of the, the start of Qatar mm. at 22. So you'll get plenty uh, content from the, the Endless Celts uh, as well. So, uh, and Phil, I'll just let you answer Kaiser there uh, with regards to Russell you guys' show, Voice of Us. Russell requires some strips. His, sores, his throat is a bit sore tonight, so he's uh, put it back 24 hours. So it's going to be one of those Monday clubs on a Tuesday. We've just done one of them for a while on Monday on a Tuesday. Ah, so we have obviously bus tradition. Every so often, one comes along with the Monday clubs on the wrong day completely. We still call it the Monday club in a totally unironic way. Uh, but yeah, it's tomorrow. His, his throat's a bit sore tonight, so he's uh, putting it back a wee bit. <laughs> That's right. Well, I hope he's uh, hope he's feeling better soon. And uh, yeah, thanks again to yourself for coming on, Phil. Have you, have you enjoyed it? Always do, mate. Yeah, always mm. happy to come on and uh, get a good chat about the Celtic. So yeah, thanks for having me on again, guys. No, oh, no problem, mate. Any time. And what about yourself, Franco? Are you glad to be doing the Monday shift with me again? Ah, it's always good to get on the Monday shift. It's it's coming a good habit. I think we'll need to stay on it, Anthony, because like we say, the last couple Celtic have extended the lead, so maybe it's a wee omen. It's, uh, I, th- I think so, yeah, I think we need to keep that up once uh, the <laughs> domestic action resumes, I think. But of course, that'll be the captain's decision uh, when he gets on, the, on the, doing all the schedule. But um, that's it for tonight, folks. Thanks again uh, for watching. And uh, some of the guys will be back with the usual show on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, so until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. Cheers, guys. Cheers, that.